0: I brought, brought projects to the party. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 83 of the PDH pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Bauper Commander format. This week, we're going to be discussing and rating a handful of cycles of Signpost Uncommons from the last few years. But first, I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to. First up, Dave, the -the under-the-weather Vader. How's it going?
1: I'm under the weather.
0: (laughs) Um, yes. Save the voice. Save the voice. Save the body. Save the
1: mind. I I'm not saving any of those things right now. I'm just suffering. Oof. Oh. Uh, yeah. This is completely unfair and uncalled for. I was sick for like two and a half weeks in December. Yes, you were. And I was better. And while I was better, I was dodging around my wife having COVID. Other people were sick around. You. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like three days ago we were finally in a place where like everyone was healthy and then I went to a con in Boston. A friend of mine makes little um knitted things, like uh, very very cute knitted little stuffed animals and like gloves. Oh and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. You told us about that. Yeah. She does remarkable she made me a blanket that is my like favorite thing in the world. mm mm-hmm. um, and she goes to these cons and sells things, and I, I usually go to the – not usually. I sometimes go to cons with her to help her out, like, run her vendor booth. Yeah. So I spent the weekend at a con called Aresia, and, like, it was very cool, actually. Like, I played some magic with some friends. I met uh, a magic artist named Winona Nelson. Who? she has done uh Bear's Companion Mother Bear she's done oh, amazing voice of resurgence she's done a lot of really good stuff and like there was just like an hour long like meet and greet session with her it was very sparsely attended there was like 6 of us just hanging out chatting uh, remarkably cool conversation I got to have with her very fun to meet her sure um i'm gonna i'm gonna buy some of her artist proofs and it's going to be great and yep. uh, the guy in the vendor stall, like next to ours, uh, brought, like he was, he was there representing, like I guess his f- mom's business of selling like nerd flavored pocket watches, which was very <laughs> cool. He had also just brought like binders full of his spare magic cards and was like selling those on the side. So sure. like, why not? A lot of people wandered over. Like th- this is very much like a sci-fi convention. It's not like specifically magic or gaming flavored so there were a yeah. lot of magic nerds there but that wasn't the focus and a lot of them gravitated toward him because he was the guy with magic merchandise on display so i got to overhear a lot of magic conversations and i went over and like chatted with him a little bit he was he was very cool he uh he streams on twitch and he and his play group after after a chat they're thinking about getting into pdh so really? when yeah when when they spread the yeah, when they do some Pdh episodes, I've told him to let me know, and I will I will give him free advertising in every single Pdh Discord server there is. Heck yeah! And so when that happens, uh, I'm going to send up the bat signal, and I want I want some <laughs> turnout. Go go show this guy some love. His his Twitch is called Foresighted Sphere. Okay, perfect. Um, but yeah, super cool weekend. Enjoyed the con a lot. Someone at the con got me sick. Gave and you the crowd. I will be pursuing uh action in the form Legal of action. uh well i was thinking illegal i was thinking assassin. Oh, okay. uh, i don't okay. want to i don't want to go fine. through the yeah. courts i just want <laughs> this person to die um, that's fair yeah so
0: well our episode is called two cuds and you got the crud crud so that's close it's basically the same thing basically the same thing all right. Uh, next up, as usual, is our resident PDH, PhD Liam. How are you feeling?
2: Not under the weather. I'm I'm feeling fine. I'm mm-hmm. above the You're actually, above doing, the weather. I'm doing a little bit more than fine. Uh, work's been interesting this week. You know, mm-hmm. snowstorms over the the northeast slash Atlantic East, whatever area I live in, have caused us to have a remote. Professional day followed by a snow day followed by what will probably be a snow day on Friday. So, mm-hmm. I I
0: now for snow days do you do you have those built in or do you need to make them up at the end of the year sort of thing? Yes
2: and no, um both. Both is the answer. So okay. we get a calendar at the start of the year that has what our county calls quote unquote built in snow days. So. If we don't yep. use any of them, we get out early. But right, so like uh, our, okay. our county currently is scheduled to end on January. Oh tw- uh, yeah, January twelfth. Geez, June twelfth. <laughs> June twelfth. Assuming six snow days. So okay. so really that looks like uh, June fifth. June fourth or fifth, assuming sure. no snow yep. days. So now you know we we've used one. Typically we right. use like two to three. Like that's what it typically is. But. It it's it's this weird thing. I I don't entirely understand why they do it, but whatever.
1: I have a I have a snow day question
2: for the Maryland yep. gentleman. Do you have
1: snow days because Maryland. you got just an absolutely absurd amount of snow, or because you got a like medium amount of snow, but your infrastructure is not prepared to
2: handle a medium amount of snow? Uh, neither. <laughs> 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 Our infrastructure is absolutely prepared to handle just blizzards like they've they've happened in maryland before they don't happen every year but they happen cyclically around six to eight years apart so like our infrastructure can handle it what they canceled for was the freezing temperatures i live Um, in what i like to call uh, yeah uh, i live what i like to call sissy country where i live in the country like like rural part of maryland But everyone here is a bunch of sissies. So so yeah. I mean I'll I'll give them that like this morning was like below ten and the thing about our county is we have a large chunk of our student population that actually like walks to school. Despite being kinda kinda rural, like we're still there's still, you know, population centers. We I, I think the statistic was something like 45, 46 percent of our students like actually walk to school every day. So when we do have these freezing temperatures, like even though like the the roads were mostly plowed yesterday and salt was laid down, like there's still like we just can't have kids walking 10, 15, 30 minutes yeah, in these that, freezing temperatures. Uh, so they they cancel school.
0: That's a safety hazard they for sure. School. That's yep.
1: just what it is. I ask because I I lived for many years in the the what I very affectionately refer to as the ass end of northern Michigan mm-hmm. where it snows about 6 months out of the year and remarkably uh, I I was there for years and years and years and and in the entire time I was there there was exactly one snow day despite having an annual average snowfall of about you know 30 to 35 feet each year um 30, 35 feet of snow 35 feet of snow no. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like when I <laughs> so moved... how, so,
0: how bad does it have to be to have a snow day? The uh, one snow day in
1: a decade. It's pretty bad. Um, wow. And then I, I, you know, I moved to Boston, which gets a lot less snow. And like there were a couple. I I've had a bunch of snow days since I've been out here, and I was like, man, what gives? Like this doesn't get more, more snow. And I realized it's because the 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 tiny little rural town up in the you know, middle of m- Michigan. Has mm-hmm. maybe grand total like three square miles of road, right? Not and a million people <laughs> and a hundred bulldozers. Yep, like ready to go. Like pick up the phone, you can have a, a, the whole fleet engaged immediately. And like Boston has hundreds of square miles of road and nowhere yep. to put it. Like there's nowhere to put yep. the snow. Like in in up up in up in Houghton. You you get a you get a whole dump truck full of like you know three literal tons of snow. Uh-huh. You drive for ten minutes in any direction. You are in the middle of nowhere. You can just, just dump it wherever. you want. <laughs> like ten yep. ten ten minutes. You are in a position that no human will be for a, another year. You can just dump the snow there. It's not a problem. Ten minutes. You're back. You're getting loaded up again. Like in Boston. Like you drive for ten minutes. You've made it three blocks. And like yeah, to the next house. <laughs> you can't dump the snow there. Like. Yep. In order to get you, you gotta drive to like Springfield <laughs> to find a place you can dump snow. Like, yeah, no, it's like the 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 sort of like slow realization of like why Boston had a lot more snow days than Houghton has. Uh, it's it, it was a journey of discovery for me. So I was I was wondering yeah. how Maryland fell in this. Uh, yeah,
2: no. Uh, infrastructure. I know. I know that. Thing. Some of the cities in Maryland, like Frederick or or Baltimore, they they have snow days. They have quite the number of snow days. When you get to this rural area, you know, out past eighty one, like there's snow days. Snow days are rare. Now, I do know that we have a new superintendent. Uh, last couple of years, and he comes from. Oh gosh. Let's say he comes from the south. Like oh. like Louisiana ish area. That's what I want to think. what I want to say. Mm-hmm. So like I, I imagine to him the amount of snow that we got, you know, earlier this week was like a blizzard. And you know, I'm over here right. checking the mail and like, you know, shorts and a t shirt. <laughs> like it's like, <laughs> I want to be at work. Like, what are we doing? <laughs>
0: oh, that's funny. Yeah, he's probably not no. used to that at all.
2: All right, cool.
0: Uh, before we get how've, to the main topic, how have you been, Brad? I have been good. Uh, Friday was like, I think it was for, for most of the country, but like the beginning of the bad weather here. And it never actually got as bad as they predicted, which is pretty common for Missouri, especially the last 10, 15 years. Like, I feel like two or three times every winter season, they predict like treacherous, lethal amounts of ice and cavernous snowfalls, and it just never happens. Like we get like a very small fraction of that, and that's pretty much what happened over the weekend. I uh, had a lot of trucks break down at work on Friday in particular for some reason, and then, but yeah, this week's been pretty good, just super cold, super cold. I am not physically or emotionally prepared or built to handle the cold weather. I guess I used to when I was a kid. Like, I didn't mind walking to school if it was cold, yada, 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 but anymore, it You know, if it gets 20 or below, I'm just done. Like, I just... I'm checked out. I'm over it. I can't imagine, like, triple-digit or double-digit snowfall every year, like you were talking about. That just seems... I, I have... I actually physically have trouble picturing that much regular snowfall that it equates to that every winter.
1: <laughs> so what what's... Really interesting about that place that I lived is that it's you know the Michigan's Upper Peninsula has its own little mini peninsula it's called the Keweenaw Peninsula it just sticks up right into the middle of Lake Superior mm-hmm. and Lake Superior is uh just foundationally the world's largest heat sink so like the fascinating thing about living in the middle of it is that like there's a lot of snow tons of snow it starts right. snowing in November and the snow is still there in May uh wow. And but like the trade-off there is that it never gets significantly colder than freezing. Really? Like it, yeah, like the temp- temperature I can totally handle that. Temperatures hit thirty-ish, and all of the cold gets sucked into slowly starting to freeze the lake. Like it just gets sucked into the lake, and it stays right around thirty-ish. And then, but you get good snow. You get tons of snow. Yeah, never that seems never okay. gets significantly lower than thirty. Whereas, like you know, if you go, you know, you know a couple hours west, like Minnesota, Minneapolis, St. Paul is approximately the same latitude. Mm-hmm. Like it routinely hits like negative thirty, negative forty in Minneapolis. Yes, it certainly does. Yep, because like it's they're getting the cold. There's no Lake Superior to just absorb all of the coldness and right. slowly half freeze, but never fully freeze because it's the size of a small ocean right <laughs> yeah then... i've worked in uh in central iowa
0: in december and january and that was that was cold enough for me that was brutal yeah
1: yeah no it's it tons of snow but like moderate temperatures weirdly and then it's you know it's not too cold in winter it's not too hot in the summer because world's biggest heat sink
0: right that's awesome yeah,
1: yeah i that's totally like those... handle that i mean I loved the climate there. I loved living up there. I loved how close I was to the woods anywhere. I didn't love that like if I decided one day that I wanted to eat ethnic food, my options were the Taco Bell <laughs> and that one Chinese buffet that will make you sick.
0: Yeah, that like is the,
1: weirdly enough, that's exactly the I, type of I like I that I every town right
0: has one of those. Right. <laughs> like, yep. right. Yep. You know you know exactly the Chinese buffet I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's next uh, to the Dollar General. It's in between the Dollar General and the laundromat in the Plaza. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, (laughs) yep. I I know it well. There are things about living in Boston that make me miss the Upper Peninsula, but like the ability to eat delicious food, like I can just walk down the street and get like falafel. Like that fills me with unexplainable
0: joy. Yep. Yeah. I know the feelings, how it was when I lived in St. Louis. Now we have, you know, I live in a rural town, and like once every, I don't know, 14 to 16 months, someone gets a wild hair and opens an ethnic restaurant, whether it's Indian food, sushi place, this or that, and it's always in the same building because that building's always empty because the previous ethnic restaurant lasted six months. Uh, like, it's may just it not, rest in peace. Right? It's just not that kind of place on here, and it's sad, but I kind of... Thankfully, I get to work all over the state, so if I'm really craving that stuff, I can just find it wherever I'm at.
1: Yeah. Or go to the next town over if I need to. Yeah. See, in Houghton, the next town over was two hours away. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's how far we had to drive to get to the Best Buy. Oh, no. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Anyway. All right,
0: well... Th- yeah, thanks for all that stuff. Good timing, good time. Uh, before we get to the main topic, let's do some housekeeping. If you like the show, you like what we're doing here, consider supporting us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash the PDH pod. By being a patron, you get access to the pre-show, which is usually almost an episode worth of just sort of us hanging out talking doing the show notes uh catching up for the week that sort of thing and i post it directly on patreon just for y'all to listen to uh you also get early access to the episode and the show notes before the episode hits the regular public airwaves i usually post those things the night before and then finally as a patron you get access to the pdh pod discord server where you can hang out with the three of us you can hang out with the pdh pod family you can talk more about the weather if you want talk about uh, previews are going on right now spoilers that sort of thing you get help with your decks pretty much all hours of the day so it's a really good time over there and then if you want to leave us a little voice message or a question that sort of thing you can find us over on speakpipe.com slash the pdh pod you just uh, i think they give you about 90 seconds to say what you got to say and get in get out so leave us a question leave us comments complaints whatever you want to do and then finally, check us out on the YouTube channel and the Twitch streams. We're the PDH pod on both of those platforms as well. And the latter is where I stream Spelltable, Popper Commander, every Friday or, whew, wow, every Saturday evening. I've only been doing it over a year and a half now. Uh, every Saturday evening at about 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. So uh, come on by, maybe hop in a game sometime and just uh, hang out and chat. So that's I think that house is efficiently clean. Liam, what do you got for this week in Magic?
2: magic's actually pretty chill because we're still getting back from the break the modus at Karlov Mano story was completed I believe uh and spoilers begin but more on spoilers in a couple weeks yeah in a couple of weeks how how was the story like
0: i I don't typically read the stories that come out with each set I, I sort of just like get the cliff notes from my Twitter feed but I didn't feel like anybody was talking about the story this time around.
2: That that was a little bit intentional. People wanted to to keep the the mystery as I don't want to say under wraps, but like spoiler free as possible. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, um, that, that's a good point. So, this is not going to be a spoiler free discussion. So, for about <laughs> the next thirty seconds to a minute, if you're still reading the story, you're gonna to want to just skip.
0: Yep, skip right on ahead. Go for it. Yeah.
2: So, uh, I'm going to go over the story spotlights in just three, two, one. All right. Uh, After the Phyrexian invasion, Taysa held a party to kind of show that she wants a united Ravnica. Uh, At this party, Zagana was killed. Uh, It was later uncovered that Etrata is the one that killed Zagana, but Etrata had no memory of this. Uh, So she joins Proft. The, the new character the detective in his efforts during their investigation Tasa is killed and a new legendary creature some is it uh inventor is killed in the process of Proft and Atrada trying to save Cranko uh Cranko was successfully saved but this is it uh, uh chemist was not well that's uh, sh- 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 going a little further there's uh some exploration with Izoni there's some exploration with Aurelia apparently Mascogol uh attempted a to, to kill Aurelia but Massacre Girl was stopped by Etrada despite the fact that she is a known killer and gets joy out of it uh mm-hmm. she did not you know ever intend to attack Aurelia and she was affected by the same substances that caused Etrada to kill Zagana and uh the the random dude to kill Tesa Like, Taysa was killed by a nobody. Um, oh. Yeah. It was pretty dang. bad. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> somebody tried to pin it on Rakdos, but when they went and investigated, Rakdos had like, a layer of dust and pollen on him, because he had been sleeping for so long. So they knew it wasn't him. I feel like I've hit all the guilds. And then they get to the end of the story, and the big reveal is done, and it is actually Oba one of the three dryads that makes up Trostani. Okay. And then Oba, like, flips out on the group and was like, you fools, I've been doing these motos for weeks. You only began to care once it was people you knew. So, that's interesting. Yeah. More story to come, (laughs) I guess. I I don't...
0: (laughs) Question mark? I don't know.
2: I'm still a little confused about the... uh, Phyrexian note that was found in Taysa's hand because apparently, like, I, this is a detail I missed, apparently in March of the Machines Taysa was like a double agent, like she was working for the Guild Pact, but also, like, pretending to work for the Phyrexians mm-hmm. uh, so when she was found dead with a note that was written in Phyrexian script in her hand like, that was confusing uh, Kaya's in there a little bit somewhere, I I'm, I am don't know, Kaya is not desparked. Kaya has her spark so we do not see Ral in this set Presumably because he also still has his Spuck, and they're on a One Plains Walker post set kick right now. I don't know. That's the story, I
0: think. Cool. That's the story. And we return from spoilers. Welcome back. All right. Cool. Uh, Thank you for that. Let's hop on into the main topic here. Uh, We have actually done a lot of deck building episodes where we focus on select signposts from The newest set, sometimes we'll go back to a historical set, that sort of thing. That's what the 3 by 3 episodes are for those of you playing along at home. Uh, We got an interesting question on Twitter that we decided to turn into a full-fledged episode. We were first going to do it as just like a listener question at the end of an episode and then sort of talked about it and figured that this probably is enough content or enough talking points to make it into an entire episode uh with the possibility of more to come. So at SQL Gene, they tagged us on Twitter and said that they would love to hear an episode about which set has the quote unquote best cycle of basically uncommon signpost creatures for making commanders um in your opinion. I think that's an excellent topic. And then we even went a little bit deeper into that during the show notes. Uh Liam, this all sort of came up while we were doing the show notes. Do you want to tell the listeners how we divided this up and possibly
2: future episodes? Yeah, so I think it came from just a, a brief misunderstanding of what we were actually going to talk about during this episode. Hashtag professionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some of us were under the impression that we were just going to talk about like our favorite set or sets of cycles. Some of us were also under the impression that we were going to talk about every set and just rate the cycles. Both of these are good ideas. So, we're gonna do both. <laughs> what that means is I don't know if if you guys know this, but magic's been around for thirty years. So if we only limit it's a this, long time, yeah, if we only limit this to like thirty years of standard plus the occasional supplementary set that was like draft innovation where there were actually new cards, like the battle bond, the conspiracies, the commander legends, like that's a lot. so we got into yeah, it's a ton. We, we got into discussing a little bit and we decided that kind of everything pre-original Ravnica is just trash for this discussion. Like, when we're talking about two color cycles, they don't really exist pre-Ravnica, and they don't really exist in a balanced manner if they do. Correct, yeah. So we kind of decided that, like, Ravnica 1 2005 is going to be the starting point. And then we were looking, we're like, well, that's still, like, 18 years of magic. So (laughs) (laughs) we divided it a little bit more we divided it kind of by design eras. And for those that don't know, there are currently seven recognized design eras. I I want to make the distinction between design era and design philosophy. Magic has only ever had two design philosophies. The one they had before fire design and fire (laughs) design. Yep. Design eras is going to be more defined by who's actually in charge. So like the beginning of era two, is when Richard Garfield left Magic. Uh, the beginning of Era Four is when Mark Rosewater took over as head designer. So, as head designers, product leads, vice presidents, CEOs change, and and you know the the, the company shifts, that's when the eras are defined. I had the article open somewhere that explains this in more detail. Ah, here it is. Okay. The first stage, the first era would be Alpha through Alliances. The second era would be Mirage through Prophecy. The third era would be Invasion through Saviors of Kamigawa. We decided that these three we're just going to skip. Like we're not we're not interested in doing these. These are all pre-original Ravnica. Right. The fourth stage is Ravnica to Rise of the Eldrazi. The fifth stage is Scars of Mirrodin to Journey to Nyx. We decided that this era is about is about nine ten years. This era is when Magic's kind of finding their feet in the modern era of design, and so this is roughly one episode that we'll get to maybe at a later date. Mm-hmm. The sixth stage is Cons of Tarkir to Rivals of Vixalon. This is roughly what would be the second episode. The second episode would actually be M fifteen, which is the set before Cons, to, uh, I think it was Eldrain, is what we decided. So, so a a set before Cons and like another year after Rivals, another year and a half. That would be the second episode because that's where we have like the block structure. That's where we have uh kind of the the ramp up to fire design to vision design the seventh stage is currently where we're at right now in magic design that's 2018 dominaria to current this is actually where the vision design team was created prior to this the design team was only uh set design play design and oh um like a creative team is, is is what the three vision? teams no vision was added for Dominary. There were there were there were okay. three design teams for magic. Like forever. I think it was design, handoff, set design, and play design. Then in twenty eighteen Dominary they added vision design. That's why that's the seventh era. Uh I think an argument could be made that we're technically in an eighth era, the eighth era being fire, uh, or universes beyond. However, that hasn't been defined by Wizards of the Coast yet. hasn't been defined by Mark Rosewater. So 2018 Dominaria to current is just the seventh era. We're going to kind of split yeah. that up a little bit. Uh, Dominaria through Eldraine, uh, because Fire Design starts at War of the Spark, which is the set before yep. Eldraine, but a year after Dominaria. Dominaria through Eldraine. We're just going to shove that into the next episode, uh, because let's be real. From the beginning of 2020, Theros Beyond Death, to right now, like, 9,500-ish unique cards <laughs> is what I came up with. <laughs> like, so, so the fact that I just ran the guy for search again, uh, 7,208 cards from 2020 to current. In Magic, there's like 26,000 cards. Mm-hmm. So, a quarter of all Magic cards have been printed in the era for today's episode.
0: In the last four years. Yep.
2: Uh not even. It's yeah, January twenty twenty four right now. The not last even four years. The last three years. I, no, I guess four years, because you have to count twenty twenty. So yeah, the last four years. Last four years, a quarter of the game has been printed. Like I'm <laughs> I'm not talking about reprints, I'm talking like unique cards. Yep. So, you know, seven thousand two hundred of I'll just round up and say twenty seven thousand, because twenty six nine is is twenty six point six six repeating percent. Yep. of Magic has been printed in the last four years. I think it's safe to say that we can fudge the dates a little bit and and get a pretty cohesive episode. Yeah, I think so too. And honestly, you know,
0: especially for new players or players new to Pauper Commander, this is going to be, these four years, these 7,000 cards, these are probably going to be the pool that they get their commanders from. Probably. You know, these, once we go through them, you know, you'll see that Honestly, you know, I mean we play with some pretty creative people with the pals, obviously, Abby, Dax, all these people, Hive, everybody, you know, they come up with some pretty interesting decks, but by and large, I think a very good majority of decks you're gonna see come from, from this era here or these, these few years here. What do you think, Dave? Would you would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think the the rate at which they're printing new cards is really spiked lately. So and like sure between that and the power creep it it makes like the the timeline of when all cards are printed versus how many commanders come from which year is going to be skewed really heavily towards recent cards. Yeah. It's it's not a uniform distribution. It's skewed skewed right in a big way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it was a pretty interesting topic, I think. Do you guys want to start twenty twenty and move up from there? Or do you want to start current and go backwards? I have no opinions.
2: I am down to start in twenty twenty and move up because let's be real, we'll spend two seconds on Theros and then move on.
0: That's true. Let's do that. Uh I don't think and Dave, if you want to hop in, you're probably the biggest uh limited player out of the three of us. So if you need if you felt like hopping in with some notes about that sort of thing about a given set, go ahead sure Um, if something came up you know what have you but uh yeah like like Liam mentioned we rated them we gave a few notes about each set and we'll just kind of like run through them and give our impressions of them and hopefully you get a better idea of like where we're coming from and hopefully we answer the listener question pretty well so yeah uh first up is Theros Beyond Death came out in was it late January 2020 just about
1: this time of year I believe yeah i I have very vivid memories of this particular thing because I remember, like, the the very first time I ever visited the Pals, it was in January. And the and first the, video we recorded was the set review for Theros Beyond Death.
0: And this was the last set before COVID, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I remember... i remember. I've been
2: to this bundle in my dorm room.
0: I remember them talking about the Theros... Whatever, whatever, it is, Pro Tour or whatever they they do for every set, at, on Twitter people were talking about that at the same time that they were like, "What is this
1: COVID thing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I got to the pals. I just kind of snuck in right under the COVID mm-hmm. threat. I and I remember it was January because Francis's birthday is January 11th. And yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Was happy the, belated the birthday, stream. Francis. I I got there we we streamed on the eleventh for Francis's birthday, and we opened with the theros Beyond Death set review yeah, it was good um now what did you guys how did you guys rate this set for
0: p d h and how did it end up turning out like looking back on it
1: i I think we rated it pretty well. I think that there were there were a lot of cards that people were interested in there was a there's a bunch of commanders that I built from the set, and like mm-hmm. I know other people built like the 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 number of commanders that see common play from the set is i think above average sure uh i think the set did really well i think we were all pretty excited about the set and the cards and where it was going and it it, yeah. uh, it aged well i think
0: yeah it those cards still show up yep theros yeah. is a cool plane it's one of my favorite actual planes so yeah yeah but yeah i think uh i think overall or you know we gave it a, like a 7 out of 10 if that's what we're going with Ten in the best in in
1: terms of the two card two color uncommon signposts uh, creatures, I I think this one is a seven out of ten. We uh, we got um, we got a couple of juicers like Sionia, Mischievous Chimera, yeah. Utropia, Those are the three big ones, and then within the Palace Studio specifically, we uh, Slaughter Priest of Mogus and Devourer of Memory came from the set. I know that Eric loves those cards and that he is right to do so. I don't I don't sure. know that they get played outside of Eric's decks, but Yeah, you uh, see him every now and then, but yeah. But yeah, like you I've seen I've seen a dozen Utopia decks. I've seen a dozen Mischievous Chimera decks. Like Mischievous Chimera is the kind of thing where you just slap a an eye and on it and then you <laughs> steamroll the whole table yep. and win and no one can stop you. It's the Chimera's yep. is pretty gross. And yep. like I've I've been absolutely curb stomped by blake's sionia deck many times oh sure yeah it can yeah. be very powerful yeah he's like he, he built sionia with all the hexproof creatures oh, and then all the buffs worse, yeah. so like nice. you know he gets a he gets a sacred wolf out there and he starts putting you know rancor and ancestral mask <laughs> and elephant umbra and he just becomes this unkillable rage machine yep. and every time he puts a at an aura on it, Sionia gives him a little body. So, like, you can't get to him with Edicts. You can't get to him with targeted removal. Like, the only way to shut down this threat is the the combo move where you, like, Pestilence a couple times to wipe all the soldiers and then hit the Edict as a follow-up to your Pestilence. Like, that's the only way to stop this (laughs) beatdown. So, yeah, Sione goes hard. That's fair. Yeah, definitely very hard.
0: Uh, Liam, you have anything you want to throw in on Theros?
2: Not not particularly. I feel I feel like Siona makes a better EDH commander than it does a PDH commander, just because of certain combo potential. But there wasn't a whole lot from the Theros that I honestly remember being impactful. Yeah, that's fair. However, <laughs> I'm going to put a however on these first couple of sets. Uh, <laughs> I had not gotten into PDH until the release of Commander Legends. Oh, no, that's would be fair. be at the end yeah. of 2020. That's fair. So. So. That right. being said. That being said. Theros Beyond Death was not in my head at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, directly after
0: Theros was Ikoria. This one we rated a little bit lower. I think it's a little more limited on what you can do with the uncommon creatures, or is particularly the, the signpost uncommons from that set. Uh, you do see some powerful ones. You will run into a Sprite Dragon, Parcel Beast. I know Dave, you're a fan of Parcel Beast. That's a very good, very uh, potent combo deck. I, and then Parcel oh, Beast. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people play it. I think you sort of like champion the deck, and some people follow your rules. Some people just straight up play your deck when they go to uh, events or what have you. And then there in, are, hand- in
1: fairness, most of my deck is aped from Yolaran who pioneered it. And... Mm, that's right. I think he told us about that on the episode once. Yeah. It
0: might have been the... I uh... can't remember now. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember you telling us that now. And then there is a, I don't know, a handful of PDH players that really like the Bonder's cycle. The Heed Bonder and the Howl Bonder and the Jubilant Sky Bonder and all that sort of thing. Lobbert, I'm looking yeah. at you particularly. Uh, but they're fun. They're fun to brew around. They're not sure. all sort of like the... There are definitely two two to three that are more powerful than the rest, but definitely. they're fun. It opens you up to some colors, some different colors, and I mean, fairly unique effects. You know, they're not like game warping outside of Heedbonder Bonder, can get a little out of hand, but you know, the Halbonder's fun. The Sky Bonder can be troublesome, but it's not over uh, impossible to overcome, that sort of thing. So, uh, overall, though, I mean, unless you guys had something to add in on Icoria, we overall rated
1: it kind of low in its impact on our particular format. I think the biggest reason it gets a really low rating is that a lot of the uncommon signposts are these mutate creatures with the ability when this creature mutates, do a thing. Like Lord yes. Grackets and the Boneyard guy. And like, if we had had more support for mutate at common, these cards could be really cool. Like oh, you could, yeah, you could mm-hmm. get that trigger when you first mutate the Lord Dracus onto the thing, and then you could get that trigger again when you also mutated, you know, your Cloud Piercer or your other, your right. other things onto it. And like just because we only have one common for each color in mutate, yeah, that's like prohibitively that great non-functional and so the, <laughs> yeah ba- the whole, basically <laughs> the whole cycle like i mean like you can make a lord dracus list and just focus on the lord dracus you know you basically treat it like when lord dracus mutates yeah like when you when you when you cast this card basically it basically becomes a cast trigger instead of something you can trigger with other cards in your hand which is like you know the limited free Corea was really really good because you could just play this mutate deck and just stack all your creatures up onto one thing. Sure. And, like, usually that's a terrible plan, because you're going to get four for one. But, like, the amount of power (laughs) you got out of it, like, because all the mutate, like, synergizes with all the other mutate, because of cards like Lord that it becomes, like, okay to just go all in like that. And, like, you can do some very cool, very fun things in limited that you just can't do in PDH which is above. Yeah, you. definitely.
0: Uh, cool. Liam, I think you're a fan of Icoria, right?
2: I am a fan of Ikoria, uh, but I, I agree with everything David said. Yeah. Um, I I love the mutate mechanic. I I do. I really do. Uh, but I think it's just unimpactful in our format. Just, yeah, it's, it's just, just not supported.
1: Support. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, let's right. move on from my... Oh, go ahead. I mean, there's other things. Like you said, the Bonder's moderately cool. Sprite Dragon, pretty cool, but like all together, it's not better than four out of ten on the Juuso meter.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the uh, Pdh Pod patent pending Juuso meter, uh, that's yep. about a four. Yep. Cool. Well, let's move on from Icoria to, uh, is it the last core set that they printed? Yes. Yeah. To M twenty one.
2: It's it's the the third last core set
0: they've printed. <laughs> the third time they're going to do it for the final time. Yeah. Now this one we actually put up there pretty high. I know um, I've either built pa- uh, decks in paper for these or have theorized decks for almost all of the uh, the signpost uncommons here, and it's it's really cool because even the signpost uncommons have that <sighs> core set feel to them. where they're, you know they're kind of linear, they're kind of simple, but they're also at the same time. Uh, kind of wide open. Like, you can sort of, like, take them in any direction that you wanted to. The first... Well... Go ahead. Except for the Boros one. Yeah, except for the... You know, yeah, they're not complete bangers. It it didn't get a 10 out of 10. <laughs> uh, actually, Indulging Patrician was, like, I want to say the second PDH deck I ever built. Like, it's just cool. I think I still have it. it it's made plenty of... Plenty of iterations. It's become uh, a Cliffhaven Vampire deck and then it became some sort of, like, Viscopia Guild Mage weird thing going on, so
2: indulging Patrician secretly an Orzov food deck. See,
0: yeah, I, it is now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just gave Brad another idea. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> like I need more Orzov ideas, uh, Dave. How, <laughs> exactly. Have you built many uh, Core Set twenty-one decks? Uh, not a ton of them.
1: No. Um, I have Leafkin Avenger built. I've seen mm-hmm. people build indulging patrician Watcher of the spheres. I know that Scarecrow has a very cool dire fleet warmonger deck, which I yeah. really enjoy. Like yep. I've I have, I have too many other Rakdos decks that do the same ish things, so I didn't build that one. But like Leafkin Avenger I have a ton of fun with. Yeah, that seems like a fun one. Yeah. I think I and, think Gem you know, is... kind of like.
0: obsessive stitcher which just seems really fun like i haven't sat down and tried to build it yet but it just seems like a cool deck yeah
1: i forgot that that had come from m21 that is yeah blake has that deck build and it's outstanding yeah so even like twin blade
0: assassins the go the five mana golgari five four you draw a card if a creature died you know or whatever on your turn and that's fine just desperately need that to say on
1: each player's turn
0: it should be, so I should say at the beginning of each in step, not just each your end step. step. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Like, there, we have better options at Golgari. I just, I just like this card for some reason, but and that's kind of how it is with the core sets, particularly this one. Like, Watcher and the Spheres is really cool. Two mana, two, two bird wizard, you know, creatures cost less, and then it, get, it gets pumped up free every time you cast them or every time a creature with flying enters the battlefield under your control. Like, that's really cool. We definitely have better Azorius commanders but we don't necessarily have one that does this type of thing. And every now and then, I would say every, I don't know, three months or so, I'll run up against the Cleric of Life's Bond, Orzhov, Gain and Drain sort of deck, and it's fun. Seems good. I haven't actually built that one just because I've seen it on, you know, there's a million decks online, and I've seen it in person or played against it in person a few times, so I may end up sitting down and building that one, but that one's cool too. So it's got a lot of... (sighs) I'm not, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for. They're not easy commanders. Potential. Like, yeah, there you go. These commanders have a lot of potential to go in different directions. They're not super, super linear. And then, all right, let's move on from uh, course at 2021 to one that I don't think any of us were really that high on at all. And, and, and that's kind of like the set as a whole for me, at least. And that's Zendikar Rising. Uh, yeah, uh, not super impressed with with it most just, of the set. I like Phyrexia All Will Be One
1: more than I like Zendikar. <laughs> oh,
0: Ooh. that is saying something. Yeah, dang, <laughs>
1: dang, like, like dang. Phyrexia All Will Be One like was it it missed a lot of the benchmarks that I wanted to see in a really like impactful set, but like it it missed them in very like very memorable like very like self-assured ways like it, it knew exactly what it wanted to be and it was that thing with like all of the confidence born from body horror that uh, has ever been possessed like it just <laughs> went for it in a in a beautiful way Zendikar just like wasn't anything it was so forgettable like one, one, one does not have that problem all will be one is like scorched into my, my brain. Oh yeah. I'm never, it's never leaving Zendikar. Like until we were doing the scryfall searches to like figure out what's going on here. I'd completely forgotten it existed. I'm going to forget it again in 10 minutes. Yep. Yeah. It had cleansing wildfire
0: and that was about it. End of list. (laughs) End of list. So yeah, we rated that one pretty low on the scale. It's got some uncommons. It's got some two color uncommons. So feel free to go in there and brew up something. Just don't—I
1: don't know. Don't expect much from that set. I don't think. Don't don't tell me about it when you do, because I'll be like, "What set? I didn't." There was a Zendikar set in 2020. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure about that? What? All right, cool. Let's go from
0: something worse than All Will Be One to something that is probably one of the best sets for Pauper Commander ever to exist. Liam, what's the next one?
2: The next one after Zendikar Rising is Commander Legends, whoop, whoop. and and this is Commander Legends one, not not Baldur's Gate, correct? But I mean, it was still a banger all around.
0: Yeah, it really was. It really opened up just sort of all kinds of things. Like it, it made waves. You know, some some bad, but some good waves in the sixty card popper meta and community. It helped out popper Commander quite a bit, like, and it still does too. Like, there's still players that play these commanders there's still players that play commons from the set like i wasn't super hmm, i was into pdh when commander legends released i wasn't super into it like i wasn't brewing decks all the time and i certainly wasn't streaming games all the time what sort of like direct impacted commander legends have on the set or on the format dave on the format
1: oh god yeah uh... and it's just like wild right yeah, it was massive. Like I think Howl and Gollum got downshifted in that set. Yes, like that's yes. that's the set that brought us Howl and Gollum at Common. Um, That's the set that brought us partners in a big way. Like before before this, we had you know a handful of like partners from Battle Bond, mm-hmm. but this was the set that brought us partners that you could interchange. So this is the the origin of all the Malcolm decks, all the Bird Horse decks, all the right. Tormod Ghost, everything. Uh, and, yeah, no, you that's... know, for people that don't
0: know, too, like, yeah, it had all the partner stuff, all the really cool stuff we still play with, but it also had, then those were separate from the Signpost Uncommons, correct? Yes. Yeah, like, there still is a cycle of ten two-color Uncommon creatures. It also brought us
1: Encore. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. hear that's a good set. A oh, good <laughs>
1: mechanic. Uh, it's a really good mechanic. Yeah, Commander Masters is one of my all-time favorites, like n- n- in terms of the two-color uncommon signposts, and also in terms of uh, just the set as a whole, like, very little else has ever had the impact that Commander Legends had on our format. It was massively warping in a way that was completely unprecedented, and yeah, a couple things since then have matched it, but, like, n- nothing before. Mm-mm. Um, now that like
0: you know, Liam was talking about eras of magic. Like this started a new era of Popper Commander.
1: Absolutely, it did. And yeah. one of the one of the big impacts it has was prior to this, my function on the home base thing was just as an editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when other people would write articles, I would edit them and. Um, then they'd get published. And then like when this happened, I fell so immediately and irrevocably in love with Araumi that I was like, okay, <laughs> this this is the impetus that causes me to, to transform from an editor into a writer. And I I wrote I've only written two articles so far. Mm-hmm. But like Arumi was one of them. Nice. Yeah. So anyone
0: looking to brew up some really cool two color commanders, I I would start with this particular set. Like every color pair just has a good option. Absolutely. Even if it's not good, they're still interesting.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. It's it's not my perfect ten out of ten, but it is sure. It is definitely my runner up. Right. Uh, all right, going chronologically, actually next, I think might be your ten out of ten day. Next is my perfect ten out of ten set. Let him have it. Yeah. This. So I've been. We've been planning this episode for a couple of weeks, and like when we sat down a couple hours ago to start drawing up the show notes and, and engaging in the pre-show, uh, that that's when I started sort of you know w- we started making lists of which which sets had which cycles and which ones were really impactful and which weren't, and and that that's where a lot of these juicometer ratings come from. Um, <laughs> but everything before then for the entire 2 weeks I've been like thinking about this trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about the thing that I my brain just always came back to was Caldheim the two color uncommon signpost cycle from Caldheim every single one of those cards is a slam dunk yeah really it really, one, it really one, is one of one of them is a layup it's still it's still a score but it's way less impressive than a slam dunk but the other 9 the other nine are really remarkable slam dunks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kaldheim gave us Vega, Fury, yeah. Svela, Narfi, Moriet, Maya, Agar, Cole, and Carter. The only one of these of this entire cycle of ten that is only okay is Harold, the Elf King. And he's still very brewable, very playable. He's super playable. I mean, like, on on the back of Commander Legends, like, coming coming straight out of, like, you know, N- N- Numa and Nautier, like, he mm-hmm. he paled badly in comparison to those guys. But, like, he's a great engine for, for making sure there's always an elf in your hand to play. He's certainly, right. he's absolutely super playable. Um, but the other nine, every single one of the other nine of these cards is just absolutely... Uh, 10 out of 10. Like, I have, like, four of these built. <laughs> For uh,
0: Kaldheim Commanders? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I don't have any Kaldheim Commanders built. I don't know why. Like, I've... I love watching them. Like, even when when we do commentary and a card or deck shows up or, you know, whatever shows up. Like, it's they're super fun to watch. And they're always interesting. I've just never sat down to build one, I guess. Like... You, you gotta... I gotta try, I, I Vega has been on my list for like, literally just about since it came out, so I think I need to just sit down and build a Vega deck, but... Vega's uh, so fun, I love so Vega. It looks so fun, yeah. I've played against a couple different versions, maybe, maybe three different people playing a Vega deck, and it, it, it's always really fun to play against, so it's gotta be fun playing with. Liam and I both have Vega decks, right?
2: Uh, I do not have an active Vega deck. I actually gave it to one of the people at my LGS. Oh. Yeah,
0: because I played against Liam's he... uh, Vega a while back. Dave has one, and I played against a brownie version.
2: Yeah, I, I, uh, ha- I built it. I had it, and I took it to the LGS, and I kept beating this one guy with it, <laughs> and he got irritated by it, so he wanted to play it, and then he kept asking for it week after week, and I was like, I was like, w- when are you gonna give up? Like, what are you going to give up on vega like he's like he's like when i win a game with it and i was like how about you just keep it you can give it back when you win a game with it (laughs) (laughs) and i haven't gotten it back yet but i don't particularly care either
1: yeah it's such a cool commander the the giveaway ability of pdh decks is a huge draw the format oh it's cool commander
2: did the thing i'm good
1: (laughs) fair yeah I, yeah, I I didn't... lend out my Vega deck a lot as well. It's like it, it's always doing things, and they're like really easy things to. I mean, like you have to you have to kind of track a couple triggers, but like yeah, it's it's an easy deck to pilot, and it it just you know, it's one of those decks where your reward for playing the game is to get to play more game. Right, it's like and more it's, yeah. more game per game. It's
0: just a, a, a game actions type deck and that's typically yeah. what I love to play. I'm just I'm surprised I haven't sat down the build it yet, so it's it's good. But yeah Caldheim is definitely your favorite, obviously. It's yeah. definitely one of my honorable missions for the best out of these that we're talking about today, so
1: and Vega, the one that we've talked about for a while, Vega's the third most exciting Kaldheim Commander for me. Right, like, exactly. <laughs> it was the third one I built. I built it as an afterthought after I had built the other two that I was really excited about, yep. which were have, Carter and Furia.
0: I think I have either watched a game, commented a tournament game, or played against every Kaldheim Commander, except for maybe... The uh, shapeshifter, the snow shapeshifter. More yet, yeah. More yeah, yet. I have There's not, a lot of cool combo stuff. I have not seen a deck with that yet. But every every other one I've seen either play, I've seen Cole win with combo. Yeah. I never thought Boros really had a combo like that. Goblin uh, combo Cole, was cool. So, Cole goes off. Yeah, it went off super fast. So that was awesome. Yeah, it's a really cool set. Great artwork throughout the whole set, not just in the uncommon slots. Like, yeah. It's just
1: good, good stuff all around. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think Kaldheim crushed it. Kaldheim is the 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 peak of the the two-color commander cycle from the sure. last 4 years.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And they're cool because like you can, you know, y- you'll see some of these Kaldheim commanders show up in a high-powered competitive tournament and you'll also see them at casual tables. The same thing. Oh, Cuz yeah, yeah, yeah. you can just yep. they're so flexible. Yeah. Yeah, super cool. Super cool design. Uh, Next up, we actually have a Strixhaven. This is one that the first one where I really sort of like dove headfirst into, okay, these are the signposts, and I'm going to at least like mentally theorize a deck for each one of them, if not just straight up build a deck. Uh, And and that's what I've been trying to do with every set. At least maybe not a full-fledged deck. Maybe it'll just be like 70 cards, or I'll get 55 cards in and be like, oh, this is actually kind of like, it's kind of like the other three that I already have built or it's not going to work the way I thought it did or what have you. But uh, Strixhaven is one of the first ones where I legitimately tried to build 75% at least of a functional deck for each commander. And it's this one has some very powerful commanders. And this is where we got Dina. This is where we yeah. got uh, Quintorius was on the scene for a while. People still play him. It's a powerful commander. Uh, Witherbloom Apprentice. Zamone, uh Yeah. So, I mean, there's just, there's a ton of options here, and I don't know, I think it was a really cool, really cool set, and I don't I don't have much to add to Strixhaven, it, they're really cool, I think it's, so far, it's probably one of the more linear sets that we have talked about as far as the uncommon uh, signposts go, but they're still very, very powerful, very cool.
1: The thing that I really liked about the, the signposts from Strixhaven is that not only did we get three half cycles. Like there's there's the cycle of legends with, you know, Killian, Dina, Zimone, Rutha, which oh, are all Killian, great. Killian, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's this and and Quinty. I forgot Quinty. Yeah. yeah. The the all five legends are outstanding. We got five apprentices and like half of those are great. hmm And then there's also the five uh the five uncommons with the hybrid mana in them. And a bunch of those are great too. Like I Eric has a returned past collar deck, which has the dumbest name, but the deck is like weirdly (laughs) functional for a Boros Flicker deck. And then like you know, Damagogan War Eater just is great. Like yeah, that one has intrigued me for a long time. It's got such a good stat line and a lot of text. Like what could go wrong? Right? What (laughs) could possibly go wrong? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So like I I love the the. Aside from just getting, you know, three, three great half cycles, the thing that intrigued me the most about it is that I think that it really started to pull some of those things in different directions. Like, we got a Boros commander. We got a couple Boros commanders that aren't just put the equipment on the attacker and turn it right. sideways. Yep. Which, like, I, I built Lorehold Apprentice so fast mm-hmm. because I was so excited to get a Boros commander that did something different. Right. Like, I, well, have, I at, have a... Oh, go ahead. I I have a couple Boros decks, and they're all fundamentally the same thing. Except
0: Lorehold Apprentice. Except the Apprentice. Yep. Same with Weatherbloom Apprentice. Like, it's a Golgari
1: Spellslinger deck. Like, how cool is yeah. that? And people still play it. It's still powerful. It's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the thing. That, that it gave us, like, different ways to engage with these common... Or maybe not common. Different ways to engage with these strategies... Was excellent. Yep. I loved that.
0: Yeah. What do you think of uh, Strixhaven? Liam, do you play a lot of these commanders
2: or any of them? I think I've built most of them at one point in time. Mm-hmm. I definitely at one point had all of the legends.
0: A deck for all the I legends? F-
2: a, a deck for all the legends. I feel like I also built Witherbloom. And the returned past caller is like a weird Boros Flicko deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't, I don't have any of these decks currently.
0: Yeah, same. I don't know that I have any Strixhaven decks assembled currently. We actually played. Derek played Quandrix Apprentice on Monday night. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to watch. I had that was the first time I've ever played against that commander, and it was totally fine. It was cool. It was doing its thing, and that was awesome. And I feel like a lot of Strixhaven does that very thing. I so. I need to revisit this is one of those sets. I need to revisit it. It's one of those that like, cool. When it came out, you know, I looked at all the commanders and I theorized around them. And then I just sort of like built fully fledged, like built the ones in paper that I wanted to build. Like uh, I started out with a Dina deck, like pretty much everybody else did. I, I built a Killian deck and I think I built Witherbloom Apprentice in paper after sort of like touching on all of them at least um, through Moxfield or my notepad or what have you. And then I just sort of forgot about it for a while. And now every time I'm searching for uh, inspiration or just for something different, I always land on these Strixhaven cards and I'm like, wow, I forgot that this one existed. Or since they were printed, you know, a handful of commons have been printed that makes this particular commander better or what have you. Like there's Strixhaven has a really deep pool of uh, creatures to choose from, I think. Yeah. There's a, a, a long way to say that. It has a lot of depth. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, all right, let's move on from Strixhaven. Let's go to Modern Horizons 2, another super banger of a set. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Now, this one, I actually have built quite a few of these in paper, and they're, I think the only one I have not touched whatsoever is the Outlast, the Arcus Acolyte. I don't think I've even messed with that one at all, but all the other ones are excellent. I've either played them... Uh, via Moxfield's table or box fields uh, playtest program, daily there, or I've built them in paper or what have you. So I think they're it, it's a horizon set. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be powerful. They're going to be fun. They're going to be fast, and they're going to do their thing almost every time you play them. It's got so much juice. Yeah, so much. Yeah, the the juiceometer is pushing the top of the charts here. So the juiceometer's uh, yeah, the juice uh, <laughs> It's getting. It's working. Yeah, I think we've talked about it before. The only one I haven't built in paper is the Arcbound Shikari, and that's because everyone else has one, so
1: I can just yep. borrow yep. one of their decks. Yep. We have mentioned that in the past. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Modern Horizons 2 is just gasoline all the way down. Uh, yeah. I I spent I spent a delightful evening a couple nights ago getting beaten half to death by an East deck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, I've seen Lazatep Chancellor. Lazatep Chancellor is like the biggest madness commander that I haven't built. Sure. But I still love it dearly. And mm-hmm. like, it's cool because you can do cool madness things and like all kinds of cycling things. Like, right. Lazatep Chancellor just puts in work. Uh, Blake has a Ravenous Squirrel deck that just goes. That yeah. That is one not just of this
0: cycle, not just of Modern Horizons 2, but Ravenous Squirrel is a commander that I am surprised I don't see more often. Like, I've done... I think I was looking at my spreadsheet the other day. I've done, like, 110 streams or 106 streams Saturday night pauper streams, and I've played against Ravenous Squirrel, I think, twice. And we usually play two games every Saturday, so...
1: Yeah, that feels weird. I I, I also feel like I should see it more often, like, the thing that surprises me about it is, like, you know, a couple of years later, we got um, the um, Stormclaw Rager, mm-hmm. which is the Rakdos version that just, to me, feels like strictly worse because mm-hmm. of that sorcery speed clause. Yep. And and like, I I saw people on the internet lose their minds for Stormclaw Rager, <laughs> and and the whole time I was thinking like, why we like we have a better one already, and then. And then I've never actually played against a strong called Rager deck, I think. If I that, if I have played against one and I'm forgetting about it, please forgive me, but like that's a really good point. This
0: card was really high up on a lot of people's hype list and I have yet to play against a list
1: of Rager list. <laughs> and like huh. And all the people that were really hype about Rager like should be on the squirrel, I think. Like why don't I see squirrel decks everywhere? I don't get it. This I, is, I don't get yeah, it. super wild. Yeah. So,
0: but that's one that um I keep going back to. I have like I'll go from like, oh, I have 10 cards for the Ravenous Squirrel deck, you know, assembled and then I'll have 80 and then I'll need those pieces for other decks. Like it keeps fluctuating. I haven't landed on a solid like 100 card list for the squirrel yet, but I definitely need to. It's super cool. Super cool.
1: Yeah.
2: Big fan. Big fan.
0: What do you think of Horizons uh sequel there, Liam?
2: I think uh Modern Horizons 2 is pretty solid. Uh I I have E Sphinx built, but honestly not because it's from Modern Horizons 2, just mm-hmm. because it it was a cool looking commando. Yeah. Uh I I I, I didn't pick out E-Sphinx. I have an altar of it. <laughs> uh I'm sure, I think it was you, Brad, that made it. Yeah, I think so. I I think I think you're the one that like made it and sent it to me. So like it's not something that I picked to build. It was just
0: well, I got to <laughs> do it now. Yeah.
2: Right. It's like, well, well, now I have to, right? right? Like I don't have a choice. Yep. Um and and then people liked my blended list and and now I guess I have to keep it, right? Like, I I
0: honestly I think at least for the uh PDH Pod fandom, I think that's bad. pretty much the deck you're known for. I
2: which which upsets me. <laughs> i don't really know why <laughs> yeah yeah but no it, it's not i didn't i didn't build it because i picked it i built it because i got a neat alto. uh but it's fun mm-hmm. I, I i give mh2 a pretty solid uh, uh mixed review like i i like a lot of the commanders from it but none of them really are anything that i would pick out sure so
0: yeah that's fair yeah Cool. Well, let's uh, move onward from Modern Horizons 2 to some uh, D&D-flavored dungeon delving with Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. Uh, This one, I I don't know. This one was, I think, for me personally, I I don't find myself going back to this set as much as I do uh, most of the other sets we've talked about already. There are obviously some crazy good commanders in here. I mean, Gretchen. Gretchen's from AFR. Gretchen's like, "Oh, really? What does she do? I've never heard of her." Uh, yeah, actually we should probably There's a player, his name's Puzzlebox. He's Pretty new to the scene. I think he oh. likes combination decks. Uh, we should get him on the show sometime. He likes to play Gretchen, and I think he's won a couple games with this particular commander. He should be a oh, wow. lookout for. Her. She's
1: like A couple, a couple games at once. That's impressive.
0: Yeah, like he's so good that he could was, win
1: multiple games at once. I was thinking of asking if my friend Bobby had ever heard of Gretchen because he seems <laughs> like. The, I mean, I don't know if he like knows specifically about Gretchen, but like he, he seems like he knows a lot of things. I I bet I could. I bet I could ask him about Gretchen. He might know who that is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If you're listening, Bobby, hit us up. Let us know. Yeah. But yeah, I, you know, and I've, I've, I do have a Hama Pashar deck built because I just love the dungeons. I love the initiative, the Undercity, all that stuff. But for the most part, and I guess I did put together, okay, I guess I'm just contradicting myself all over the place. I did just build, uh, your, your list, Dave. I just built your Barrowin of Clan Unu uh, deck. Barrowin's super fun. Yeah. Super fun. I think I, uh, there's like a five or six card difference between mine and your deck just because I didn't have the cards readily available when I built it. But it's I super fun. Does more dungeon stuff, uh, graveyard recursion, reanimation, that sort of thing. But for the most part, like I have Hama built. I have Barrow built Gretchen's huge. A lot of people love Trellisara. I just don't find myself like going back to this set very often as much as I do. Like I was talking about with Strixhaven or maybe Modern Horizons, that sort of thing. Mm. How do you feel about this set, Dave? I know I know you play, like, you have a very powerful Kalein deck, but do you find yourself, like, a huge fan of the set as a whole as far as the, I, the uncommons
1: go? I do. I think that they did a, a great job with both dungeons and the, the card design in this set. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed playing the Limited. I enjoyed seeing the D&D themes pop up and do cool D&D stuff, Um and I think a lot of the commanders are are remarkable. I think that this is this is one of my big runner-ups to uh, Kaldheim. Uh, just because, you know, like I've... Almost all of the signposts on Commons here are things that I either have built or, like, close friends of mine have built and I just see everywhere. Like, I've got mm-hmm. Berwin, I've got Kalein, I've got Targnar, uh, Blake has Brunor, Bobby's got Gretchen... Uh, I see Trellisara all over the internet because for some reason people like to gain life because they're <laughs> wrong.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, it had tons of gas everywhere. And, like, I mean, the dungeons that we got in AFR are, like, pretty middly, but, like, yeah. the dungeon of the Mad Mage walked so that the Undercity could run. 100%. And I appreciate the sacrifices that it made. Yep, I do too. Yeah. So yeah, I, it, this is, for me, AFR is a, a solid 9 out of 10 on the juice meter it's, cool. it's, not, it's not the 10 out of 10 that Kaldheim was, but it's a solid 9 out of 10, and I I love it a lot.
0: Excellent. Where's the Where does AFR rank for you, Liam, on the juice o uh,
2: Pretty low, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mechanically, a lot of these commanders are fine, I guess. Uh, I I'm not a big... D and D person, so AFR just didn't really hit the same way, I guess. Sure. That being said, CLB was fantastic. <laughs> uh and, oh. and we'll talk more about that one later. But yeah. like AFR being like a uh, a first glimpse at this type of set didn't didn't really do it for me. Yeah, it's, that's fair. It was okay. Yeah. It was okay.
1: I'm on a I want to briefly say a couple more words about Barrowin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. We, I love we that. Talked to, I've only we talked played to... it once and I love it. Yeah. It's great. Like we, we talked before about how, like one of the reasons that I love Strixhaven so much is because it gave us a very different way to engage with color combinations that were otherwise threatening to become stale. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, Barrowin does that to Orzhov. Like, uh, Every yeah, other Orzhov yeah, yeah. deck I've built or designed is a life drain deck. Like, I started with Viscopa Guildmage, and then I, you know, played around with the idea of, uh, you know, a Cliffhaven Vampire and an Indulging Patrician. And, like, those are all the same deck, honestly. Yeah. And but, then I... Th- no, go ahead. I, I thought that I had done something clever and unique when I built Furia. And then uh, Blake, Blake sat me down one day, and he was like, wait, how does... In your mind, describe to me how you wins a game, and I was like, oh, once I get an engine set up with spells, I use Extort, and then I Life Drain Henry Life Drain. <laughs> okay, so those are all the same deck. Yeah. And then Berwyn came in, and Berwyn is like, I'm Orzhov, but I wanted you to do something completely different with a completely separate set of cards. Like, yeah, I it think doesn't, the...
0: it doesn't say life gain on there. It, does, there's it doesn't no, say anything like that. There's no life, life there's sacrifice. No opponents lose life. Like yep. it's no just... plus one plus one counter when you sacrifice a creature. No nothing.
1: I think I think the the non land overlap between Barrow and my other Orzhov decks is probably like three or four cards, sure. and I love that. I I I'm like I'm really excited about commanders that give you a different way to engage with the color combination than what we have like six other copies of. Yep. So like Br- Brunor, really strong, really brain dead. really borrows equipment (laughs) you put the equipment on the creature and it gets big numbers and then you turn it sideways with the big numbers like there's no thought required for for doing brunor things with brunor great commander super super dumb um like barrowing gets crazy huge amounts of points for being unlike anything else in the format yeah and
0: it's and you're right too. I am an Orzov devotee, and that color pair was really threatening to get stale. Yeah, because it had just sort of been the same. It's either you know life life drain, life gain, or aristocrats every set. Yeah, uh, you can you can you know set your clock to it, but yeah, Barrow and, Barrow and hit, and that is completely different. Huge yeah. Fan. So I like that quite a bit. All right, cool, cool, cool. Let's move on to the next one here. What do we got? We have uh, the first of sort of a two-parter type set. We have uh, Innistrad Midnight Hunt. This one, particularly the Midnight Hunt half of the Innistrad split sets here, I am not a huge fan of... um, Let me rephrase that. I'm not a huge fan of the creatures themselves, but... I am a huge fan of Innistrad. I'm a huge fan of the horror, classic horror, uh, gothic horror, whatever you want to call it. Flesh Taker. I mean, that's like one of my favorite cards of all time, just because of what it is and what it looks like, and it's just horrific, and I love it. Um, but other than that,
1: that, I, that art, that art deserved a better card.
0: Yes, yeah, it certainly did. That, <laughs> that's a really good way to put it. Other than that, you know, it gave us some like daybound, nightbound stuff that didn't really go anywhere in our format, and you know, just I don't know. I've looked at Vampire Socialite a couple times, but it's one of those that I I know for sure I'm gonna play it one or I'll play it twice, and the second game will be exactly like the first game, and then I'll play it a third time because I didn't want to bother going through the trouble of unsleeving it. Right, and then I'll unsleeve it. So I feel like a lot of the Midnight Hunt commanders are like that. Like Flesh Taker is amazing. I built a deck for him, and then like a month later they built the. Alas, the sadistic pilgrim and goodbye, flesh taker. That's right. how easy. That's how easy he was to replace. So, uh, what do you think of Midnight Hunt, Liam?
2: It was okay. Honestly, yep. not a fan of. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Innistrad. These <laughs> these last two years have been pretty rough since Strixhaven. Yeah. <laughs> really... uh, yeah, you've had Phyrexia. You've had Innistrad. Come on. Like D and D was okay. Innistrad was fine. Kamigawa was Blair. Nuka was not it dominarian brothers was actually pretty good uh i was i was i i, I had reservations for those two but sure. those were pretty good and then like phyrexia followed by eldraine and you know, ixlon was good but i'm just like uh, the last two years were, were, were pretty rough yeah uh Itistrad's okay there's there's nothing from these two sets that ever caught my eye to even consider building
0: yeah nope. totally fair you
1: got any uh, quick words on midnight hunt dave yeah, I, I, I kind of disagree with Liam. I, I think that Midnight Hunt specifically was, uh, not, was pretty un, unimpactful in terms of new commanders that we got to play with. Like, I think that it was a really cool draft environment with the Daybound Nightbound, and like trying to build a draft deck that makes Coven work was super fun. But in terms of like, do I want to put those cards as the 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 keystone in a in a PDH deck, no, like absolutely not. They they all make really they make for great limited environment. They make for bad PDH commanders. So yeah. uh this one is very low on the juice meter. I did like devoted graph keeper is kind of cool, but there's there's very little else going on in that set. Yep, agreed. I think vow completely turned it around though. Like, yeah, vow, crimson vow is home run. Yeah, Crimson Vow on the is is uh gets really high marks on the juicemeter. Crimson Vow gave us uh Cigardian Paladin and Child of the Pack. Uh gave us Brine Comber, which is mm-hmm. a completely new way to engage in Azorius Voltron go wide tokens. Yep. Which was really co cool. Uh my brother has a Blood Tithe Harvester deck built that's awesome. Uh Ancient Lumbernaut gave us our first reasonably costed uh, completely legal. Butts matter. Butts matter. Deal damage equal to their toughness. Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, we got vile spawn spider. Like the 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 list of super playable commanders from the the vow two color uncommon signposts is it just keeps on going. Yeah. Like vow is a solid eight out of ten on the juice meter. Midnight. May- maybe a three.
0: Yeah, three or four, but yeah, Vow definitely very, very good, especially after, and it felt good too, after Forgotten Realms and Midnight Hunt, we got this Blammo set that had all sorts of playables in it, and you know, they still see play. Blood Harvester is still a very powerful commander, they're oh, all yeah. really cool, they're all very brewable, um, yeah, so overall it's just excellent, excellent set.
1: When when my brother first sent me the list for Blood Tithe Harvester, I was, I was looking through it and I was like, oh, this is... This looks pretty cute. He's going to kill some things. And then I actually played against it and I was like, oh my God, this is like... It doesn't stop. Terrifying. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, he's killing things and not ever losing cards from his hand for doing it. He just like, the, this, this is like really oppressive and it doesn't run out of gas. Like, that. what am I supposed to do here? Yep.
0: I've, I have the deck built and I think I've played it twice on stream just because it is kind of oppressive if you're
1: in the wrong pod. It can be. Yeah. You got to yeah. be careful. But... Yep. It's it's a it's a really fun deck. I love. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you like a good sort
0: of grindy Rakdos deck, I would I would choose that. That's a good one. Yeah. I uh, lost my place here. Where do we go after Vow? We go all the way back to Kamigawa for Neon Dynasty. This set, for me personally, like the set as a whole, personally, I loved it. It was great for sixty uh, card popper. It was great for Popper Commander in the 99 like as far as commanders themselves go i have not found a lot that i like to play with out of this set in particular let me get to where they are yeah i mean i've tried to brew around a couple of them i think i've even built um what did i build here i think i tried to build a metropolitan or metropolis angel maybe i can't remember which one i built now and it just was like I felt like I was trying to force it because I was like, oh, it's a new set. I got to try to build a new deck and it just didn't really work. Like I have a lot of these sort of like roughly sketched out in a notepad on my phone, but I don't know how much further I'm going to go with it. Like Jukai naturalist is cool. You know, makes your enchantment spells cheaper. It's got lifelink itself. But like if you're in Selesnya and you care about enchantments, we have half a dozen better commander options than jukai naturalist and that's sort of how i feel about most of these like forge boss is a Rakdos basically a raktos aristocrats commander but it's a four mana three four uh we've got tons of better rectos aristocrats commanders than a four mana three four and that's to me that's sort of how the whole set feels uh, i know liam oh sorry that was new capena I'm, I'm down here in uh Neon dynasty uh naomi seems interesting can, we can roll them together there. we probably can yeah um because yeah I feel this I feel the same way. Sorry I scrolled up and I got the two mixed up. Um I know you're pretty low on both of these two Liam is that what you were saying?
2: Uh yeah, I mean they're they're fine. I for for me personally, they're fine. There's nothing here that I'm going to build. Right. Despite that, I think that these two sets pretty good in general i think that there are some interesting commanders i i don't think there are whole cycles worth of interesting commanders which is kind of what this whole thing's about is like the cycles um i think there are standalones that yeah. that are pretty good like the the silver Fur master or the the mechanot and in sc the the three color cycles over the two colors oh for but, sure for yeah. sure but you know d- d- despite the fact that there may be nothing for me doesn't mean i don't think that the 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 cards themselves are terrible i just yeah that's i'm a, I'm not going to build them. that's
0: a very good way to put it yeah the cards are interesting they're fine cards they're very playable i just i th- there's nothing really for me like brownie posted a naomi pillar of order list recently and that actually looked pretty cool uh might be something i give you know give a whirl but for the most part there's just not many uh two color uncommon commanders in kamigawa or a uh, new Capenna that I'm just really going to revisit like they they just don't do anything yeah. for me. There's a, there's a ton I of mean, like really good commons from both of those sets, but as far as I mean, commanders go, no.
2: I'm good with the uh the the wizards enforced uh money saving strategy, you know. It's <laughs> just not for me. Right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I I'll, I'll say that, you know, SNC New Capenna had just piles of juice in the three-color uncommons.
0: Oh, yeah. and It didn't new- stop
1: Neo had some really incredible monocolor kids like Eiko yep. and Norica remain some of my favorite decks of all time.
2: Yep, yep.
1: Um, but no, in terms I, I agree of...
2: there. I just the the two colors. Yeah, yep.
1: the in the in the two to, two color uncommon signpost scale, both of these sets are just really uh, uninspiring.
2: Yeah. Very mid to low. Mid, mid to, to low. low. Yeah, the forge,
1: yeah. forge meter
0: needle is not really moving. Yeah.
1: I'll tell All you right. what is moving though tell us
0: about it Commander legends battle for baldur's gate, oh my God Commander legends dose this spoiler alert this this is my it's a little uh cliche, I think, but this is my ten out of ten
1: i I think it's earned it. Tell us why
0: I have yet to well not only the backgrounds like backgrounds have become one of my favorite card types that has ever been printed they're very. Sure, you can get kind of tired of backgrounds, but they're all very powerful. They're all very brewable. You can do a lot of stuff with them. Some of them are a little linear, but like you never see one that doesn't do what it's trying to do. And thematically, I think we talked about this probably on our um spoiler or set review show, like the backgrounds are very very thematic as far as it being a Dungeons and Dragons set, you know, and that background is like what your character did before, you know, in a, in a previous life or what have you, like that was their um course of action throughout their life, their occupations, if you will. And I think that's really, really cool. I love what they brought to the format. I love, and the, it, it is not just the backgrounds that make it a 10 out of 10, the whole thing, every, I think we talked about it in the pre-show. There was like the, the Simic one really sees like zero play <laughs> at all. The Kralessa, the uh, Dragon Bard, sees like zero play whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But literally every other commander in Baldur's Gate, whether it's Rilsa, Thrakus, OG, uh, Minthara is my favorite commander. It's my favorite deck I've built of all time. Like, we'll never take that apart. Uh, Scarecrow, I've seen, has a really powerful Mahadi deck. Uh, I think I've played against, you know, Alcadrons. I think I've played against your Lozan deck. It's super powerful. And then we got Kata and Liara. Like there's, like the hits just keep on coming with this. Like you can't really pick a two color uncommon from Baldur's Gate and have a bad time.
1: Not nine out of ten of these are three point shots. Nothing but net. Nothing just but net. Sm- smooth, straight in there. Like yeah, the ball, only ball one that lie. The only one, like yeah, Coralessa, the Simic Dragon Bard, is the only one that's even like it's middly. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just middly. And yeah, it's like, just middly. Being being the only thing in the set that's middly is like what sets it apart from these other nine that are just like hundred-yard field goals, like, right? I don't I don't know how sports works. I'm trying to trying to come up with metaphors <laughs> here. Um, You're doing fine. Doing fine. Oh, n- and nailed it! Hashtag professionals. That's right. Uh, but yeah, no, like yeah, the the whole list: Real Sithracus, Og Mantara, Mahadi, Lojan, Kaga, Kadira, Liara, Like every single one of these, I've I've seen all of these decks get played. I can I can tell you who has each of these decks and what the decks do, and like yeah. how fun it is to play against them. And like, if I started telling you who has these decks, like I would be the person. <laughs> like, I have four of these decks, I think. Right. <laughs> or no, I guess I have I have three of these decks. But I I should have seven of them, right? Yeah, I've got one, two, three, four. I've got four of them.
0: I have Rilsa, Thrakus, Og, and Minthara. That's good. But I've played against all of them. Yeah. and that's just the two color uncommon signpost creatures. That's not the part. That's not the background commanders. That you know, it's not any of that stuff. This is literally just the. Uh, the signposts and they're amazing. Yeah,
1: hey, this is this is another easy, just ten out of ten set on the 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 two color uncommon signpost Juicometer. meter.
0: Yep, yep. Easy would ten you, out of ten. Would you agree, Liam? Where are you at with Baldur's Gate?
2: Uh, Baldur's Gate
0: was fantastic. Yep.
2: Uh, the the difference between Baldur's Gate and AFR is AFR felt like it was all over the place. It felt like we were dropped into a D and D setting mm-hmm. that just had 30 locations. <laughs> yeah. CLB was not that. Yeah. We were in Baldur's Gate. yep. the the flavor and, and the flavor text was was more on point. The characters seemed cohesive with uh, sometimes several legendary uh, creatures referencing characters throughout the different uh, parts of their life. and I, the, the CLB set felt like a setting to me and as someone who's outside of that sphere it was very nice to have a cohesive design point to understand and to get engrossed in uh in general as well i found that this set overall it felt better than afr oh yeah I, i i think the reason for that is clb is a commander Legends set and afr was designed to take the place of a core set, so its power exactly. level slash complexity was meant to be lower. Yep. I think that's partially, I I think that reason is why I'm in here for CLB way more than AFI. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And that being said, like CLB, I I've built or theorized at least half the commandos in that set. It's
0: yeah, yeah. I've I've yeah. built or theorized the signposts, and I. I have a handful of background commanders built, and I bet I've at least theorized all, like, not all the combinations, but a very large amount of the background combinations with the various commanders. And it just doesn't ever stop. Like, all the time I'm finding new things to do with the different pairings, the background pairings from that set. And someone's always brewing up a new Lulu list or a new gut list or what have (laughs) you. I just built... Levon with Far Traveler. Like, I had never thought of that before, but it's fun as hell. So, you know, you just you never run out of options with that set. And I think that's... Um, to me, that's a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Easy. Easy, easy peasy. Uh, next set, we go back to where it all started with Dominaria. We go to Dominaria United. And this one I thought was pretty good. I have... I had a lot of fun, I've, I have had a lot of fun with the commanders, with the signposts from this set, as far as, like, just sort of, like, brewing them up, and, you know, I have a couple of them built in paper, but most part, most part, like, I play against them, I see these commanders regularly, they're super interesting, some of them are crazy powerful, and, I don't know, I think overall it's a very, very solid set, and I'm a big fan of it. What do you think, Dave? Are you a big fan of DMU?
1: I, I really am as i'm as I'm sort of looking down this list, I'm realizing that like a lot of the sets with really high juice and meter ratings mm-hmm. are the sets where the uh, the signpost cycle is legends, and I'm starting to think that like when they design these legends they are they are designing with this can be the commander of an e d h deck like sort of yes. in mind mm-hmm. like much more than they're doing for something like you know Silver fur master or enthusiastic Knot. Like I think that the people designing these cards are not designing with PDH in mind at all. Sure, sure, uh, sure. But they are designing with EDH in mind. So when the when this signpost cycle is Legends, then then we get a lot more like playable command zone kind of guys. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Elasil El Core was DMU. Like there was a Rada. So, some of the some of the commanders in this set were very disappointing because they they were leaning into the domain mechanic, which is hard yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually really like Rada, uh, the domain Rada. I think she's fun. But like we also oh, got yeah, a new... Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we got a new Garna. Got a new Garna. Uh, yep. Lagomos is like, super interesting as a control So interesting, deck. yeah. Uh, I so thought interesting. briefly about building a Tori Diavenant deck because my mm-hmm. partner's name is Tori. I've seen people play with Turg decks that are super fun. I built Vohar... Uh, I've, I've seen people play Balmore very effectively. I know people who like Najal because you can flash in sorceries. Like I've, I've seen Raft do terrible, terrible things yeah. to people. Erg, Erg's a fun one. Yeah. Oh, did I spell his name wrong? Erg, Erg spawn of Turg? Yep. Uh, I just called him
0: Erg Turg. Erg Turg. But yeah, there, there's just a ton of options here.
1: Yeah. Like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to miss with any of these guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they all do like Liam mentioned complexity level. Like they're not like super duper complex. You know, it's a dominary set, it was a standard set. Like, but they're really powerful for our format and they still open up a lot of options. Like if you want a Demir deck that feels like a fun Demir deck, there's two options here for you. You know, there's Rona and there's Vohar. If you want a gruel deck, there's Two or three options here for you. Like, yeah. it's not just like, oh, here's the 10, which, you know, there are 10 two color creatures, but, you know, they've got, um, like, the queen, queen all in all, is two white and a green. Like, they've got those options as well. And there's just, they're up and down the board from aggressive to controlling to grindy to oh, spell slinging. So,
1: I completely forgot about all in all. My brother yeah. has an all in all deck. It's very good.
0: Very good. Yep. 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 Yeah. yep. What do you think, Liam? Are you a fan of the United Dominaria?
2: Uh I feel like Domino United was, was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um I'm gonna cheat a little bit here and say that Domino United was was good to okay. It was it was it was there. The cycle that I really liked was actually the cycle that came from uh Dominator United Commander. Mm, okay. So the box toppers from this set were original oh. legends reimagined. Yep. And so this is where the format gets uh, the five ally commanders, Tobias, Ramirez, uh Wauke, General Mar-ho- Marholt, oh, that's and a Jasmine nightmare. Boreal. Marholt's yeah. a nightmare.
0: And Mar-Halt these is- five
2: commanders have varying levels of popularity, but uh, this is a solid cycle of commanders. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, and... And I consider them part of Dominaria United, and for these five alone, I enjoy the set. Uh, Now, these five had different design constraints, right? They're box toppers, they're not part of the main set, they're not in limited, they're not drafted, they're not in standard. So obviously they get to be a little bit more powerful than the other things. Yeah. But that being said, like these five commanders are powerful uncommons without encroaching on the space of Rayo design. And I, I think they just deserve to be acknowledged.
0: No,
1: excellent. I'm glad you brought that up. Very excellent cycle of creatures. I'd completely forgotten about them, but uh, yeah, I, I, I love Marholt very much. I love yeah. Ramirez as
0: well. Yeah. Ramirez is awesome. Tor, the uh, Toruoki is awesome, but he's, constantly a, a target <laughs> because he's so powerful, yeah. but he's awesome. That That's another one that's like you want to play Rakdos, but you won't, don't really want to do Aristocrats, or you don't really want to do Madness. Like, Tor's got yeah. you covered. He's a different type of Rakdos commander, which is awesome. So Cool, so pretty high juicometer uh readings there for Dominaria United. Next, we had to put this in there because technically it was printed. These, these inks were put on paper and printed into card form, and that's Unfinity.
2: Uh... Yeah, you got anything to say about Infinity? Uh,
0: I don't even despite know. Having,
2: <laughs> despite having black borders, three out of 10 of them aren't legal in our format. <laughs> I did. All right. I'm, I, I'm done. <laughs> I, I did
0: steal Crash's Ambassador Blurperty Blurp Boop deck, and I built that in paper. It's a sticker commander. I have yet to play a single game with it, but I do own it in paper. Okay, so let's move on. Next up, we have one that was, I want to say, is pretty close to being as powerful as Dominary United. That's Brothers War. Uh, yeah. Yeah, super And there's a lot of commanders here that still see, uh, I don't want to say still see, but they see competitive play, and you don't often see that from a standard set. What do you think of the set, Dave? Where, where are you at with Brothers War? I'm i was, I was pretty low on it when it first started. When it first came out, I was kind of low on it, and it has definitely grown on me, I think.
1: I I think that in terms of the the two color signposts this is a solid 7 out of 10. We have we have enough juice to be really intriguing and interesting, but like there's also a lot of cards that are just kind of misses. Uh we got third path iconoclast, Uh very super iconic. Uh we got mm-hmm. battery bearer, lets you do cool things in simic. We got Yoshin Tactician, Yoshin Dissident. Yep. are very fun go wide commanders. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got we got some very cool stuff from Brothers War. To me, it's not mind blowing, but it's it's very solid for sure. I think solid is a very good word to
0: describe this these um, uncommons we got here. What do you think, Liam? You a fan of Brothers War?
2: I, I was general fan of the aesthetic. Uh, yeah, I, I feel oh like God, yeah, yeah. I I feel like they handled the time travel in this set a lot better than they did in Tokyo. Mm, I'm, I'm going to say that. I, I feel like it was handled a lot better with, with the majority of the set focusing on the Brothers War, the past, with a couple of cards of present-day characters kind of floating around the rare and mythic level mm-hmm. uh, while still having past characters at the rare and mythic level. I think this was this was a lot more streamlined, a lot better. I I generally like the aesthetic. I I enjoy the idea of taking an event from Magic's past and and making it story relevant again, but yeah. more more so just making modern cards in that style. Yeah. I I wouldn't be opposed to some kind of standard product in the future that like is kind of an in-between between story arcs. Like, you know, we we finished the current story arc in two and a half years, three years. And they're like, hey, you know, the next year of Standard, we're going to gonna take a break from the lore, give our writers some time to, you know, flesh out, you know, a novel or flesh mm-hmm. out, you know, a lot of web fiction. Right. And, you know, in, in that year that we're taking break, like, we're, we're actively developing that story, but we're just going to revisit a couple of, of older events and just kind of flesh them out in Standard sets. Like, that would be cool. That'd be awesome, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think Brothers' War was well executed for all the points they were trying to hit. So yeah, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah,
0: and you know how earlier you were talking about Stormclaw Rager, Dave, and how like a ton of community members got all hyped up about it, and they were all jazzed, and they were going to do this and that, and then you like don't ever see the deck anywhere. Yeah, Hero of the Dunes is like that for Orzov.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
0: like oh my god, so many people, including myself, Hero of the Dunes lost our mind over this card. i I have i have seen it twice abby has a list and jules has a list and that's it
1: i i real talk absolute honesty when i was putting together this list on the show notes i thought really hard about putting here the dunes on there and i was like is brad gonna read that as a call out for him personally i'm gonna leave it off the list if brad if brad wants to bring it up i will if, if brad opens that door for me i'll walk through that door with him but yep. like if he if Brad is going to leave that door closed then I I'm not going to open it for
0: him. <laughs> nope. So uh
1: yep. yeah, here are the dunes. Uh five is so many mana. So many for mana for two
0: butts, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for that that effect, yeah. And it's cool because I don't want to say it's as novel of a creature as like a Barrowin, but it's not your aristocrat commander and it's not yeah. your life life gain life drain commander like it's cool it reanimates stuff kind of like Barrowin cool. does but it also cares if you go wide it sort of anthems your team like yeah uh, it's so cool but it's so expensive yeah yeah five it's mana is just hard, too much hard to make it function yeah five mana in colors that don't really ramp is brutal true facts so cool yeah overall brothers brothers war was a win I think the yeah. uh juice-ometer is oh. up to about a seven on this one.
1: Yeah. I give I give Bro a seven.
0: Cool. Let's get into the final twelve ish months of magic products. Uh if you listened to the Yargles episode, you heard our thoughts on Phyrexia All Will Be One. I guess it was about a half step better than Zendikar Rising. Um Then what? Yeah, the the Zendikar set that came out a while back, the Cleansing Wildfire set.
1: <laughs> oh, Cleansing Wildfire set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry, yeah. I don't I don't remember what that is. Yeah. So,
0: I don't know. We had a couple commanders from this set that saw play. I guess.
1: Tainted when when observer. Brad said a couple, he means exactly two.
0: Yeah, exactly two. <laughs> Um, I have Necrogen Rot Priest built in paper, because I feel yeah. like if you're going to have a collection of PDH decks, or really any format decks, Infect should be one of them. Whether it's 60-card format, Legacy, Commander, whatever. I feel like you should have <laughs> an Infect deck, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, But I've seen Tainted Observer decks float around. Uh, I feel like somebody did a Deck Tech... Oh, I think Papa Pauper and Chris from One More Game. I think they did a Cephalopod Sentry like Let's Build video
1: uh, when it was first spoiled, but I've I've literally never seen that as a commander. Yeah, I, yeah, I've, seen, I've never. Seen... I've seen people like talk about it twice, mm-hmm. and every time, every time someone's like, "Oh man, I'm going to build a white blue like Artifacts Matter deck," I'm like. East sphinx is literally like right there guys' just, like what just are, better <laughs> what are you what are you doing right Do you, does the does the five butt matter yeah like, exactly yeah e sphinx only has a four but but you you want it to die like what? Right. i don't understand
0: <laughs> yeah and and you know a lot of these commanders sort of suffered from the parasiticness of the entire set so
1: yeah whatever' it's, it's cool but this is a fun draft. Not, yeah. not not great for
0: commanders. Yep. Got any kind of words about all will be one, Liam?
2: All will be one is it's 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 pretty mid. Yeah, It, it exists. Fun. It is magic cards none, to play with. None of these things are for me. Uh, very few of them are for Magic players in general. In my <laughs> honest opinion, the right? set was very parasitic. And yeah, and for some of these commanders, like David was saying, there's just better things that already existed.
0: Yeah, just better options. So, uh, Let's get into a couple sets here. Dave, you want to introduce them? The, um, we have not sort of split in the show notes here, but I feel yeah. like this
1: was much better than All Will Be One. Yeah, so we need to talk about March of the Machines, and March of the Machines is going to be uh, a fun thing to talk about because there's a lot of different aspects that we need to discuss. Yes. I think there was legitimately a cycle of like gold cards in the set. Okay. this is where we get you know your Stormcaller Rager, your Halo Forger, Botanical Brawler, Marshal of Zelfir. Yeah. Like and a couple of these cards are uh pretty good. Like there's nothing there's nothing among these that I would call like you know game shattering or format warping. Mm-hmm. They're um, like some of them are playable is the best you can say about these ones. So the actual gold cards from from March of Machines kind of mid We had, if you're into Rule Zero, there's a bunch of invasions. The invasions are all, yeah, Mm -hmm. dope. Yeah, like those make excellent commanders. Uh, I think they're super fun to play around with. I love. I have. I have a couple of invasion decks. I I love them. They're really entertaining. And then the thing that I think we really need to talk about, the thing where Mom really shines, March of the Machines really shines, is March of the Machines had another whole cycle of. these are cards that do have a two-color identity, but it's because they're you, you cast them with one color of mana, and then you use a Phyrex, Phyrexian second color of mana to transform them into something else. Mm-hmm. These are the the the, the DFCs from March of the Machines gave us some absolute gasoline here. Yes, one hundred percent. I I saw people talking about Kenra Spellspear for days and days and days.
0: Oh, I I Uh, built that deck within the last well, I don't want to say like I finally built like I finally assembled that deck. I had pieces for it laying around everywhere. I finally assembled it in the last six months or so and it is so good. So it
1: seems so explosive. It it really is. And then like after it explodes, you're like, Oh, okay, maybe I should do something about it. No, it has Ward (laughs) Two. It protects itself. Sorry for you. Uh, yeah. yeah, like so. Kendra spellsphere, super, super fascinating. Uh, Mizu recently built Sun Blessed Guardian, which I had kind of overlooked for a long time, and then Same like here. once once he built it, I started like really thinking about it, and like this card is really, really cool. It's a two mana creature, uh, two mana 2-2. for five and a Phyrexian red. You can transform it to its backside. Its backside is a three three that when it attacks, it creates a copy of itself that is also attacking, and that copy gets to copy all of the plus one plus one counters on the original. Yep, certainly does. Which, on the one hand, pretty fragile. I mean, this this whole like attack trigger on a you know, two mana cast and six to flip, like you're you're investing a lot of mana in this to have it all blown out by a Doom Blade or a <laughs> Unsummon, right. which is I think why I overlooked it at first. But like the things you can do with, if you get it online, the things you can do with it are really cool. Like you can, if you mutate something onto the backside, uh, the the copy that's created is also mutated. So you can have that's flying wild. copies of this thing with Volpeekit. Yep. you can have base five four copies with a Cloud Piercer. And uh, if you populate the token, so that the the token that it creates gets exiled or sacrificed at the end of turn. Mm-hmm. But if you populate it first, the populated copy does not get sacrificed, and then you have two of these things that will each create another copy when they attack. Oh God, that's
0: gross. It's so. And good. so if
1: if you populate it once, now you're attacking with four of these things. Yep. four of these cloud piercers with plus one, plus one counters on them, and yeah, like it doesn't have just... that weird like
0: commander text where it's like if they're attacking different opponents, make a copy. Like no, you just do it. Like it yeah, was, it was made for standard, so you're just you're just doing
1: it, doing the yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I think sun blessed guardian is super fun, super yeah. underexplored, under under definitely
0: underexplored, definitely. Yeah, I think a lot of. Uh, I don't know. Maybe competitive players they see that five to six mana, tr- you know, expense yeah. of transforming it, and they're like, uh, I could probably find I something mean, else. But
1: I think I the know. competitive cool. probably is is some combination of fast enough and interactive enough that this probably isn't going to make big waves in the competitive scene. Mm-hmm. I just want to see it do things to casual pods. Sure, like the the things that it is capable of doing to a pod are the things that I want to see done to pods. So yeah, um, I agree. We also have, like, in also in the, uh, as far as I'm concerned, criminally underplayed category. We have Not Vold Hermit, which flips into, it's a it's the Simic one, it mm-hmm. flips into something that has an attack trigger that will set the base power and toughness to some, of something else to 5-5, five, five, mm-hmm. which, like, if you think about all the 0-0 zero, zero creatures we have that enter with counters, like all of the old Simic graft things, yep. or all of the modular things, like anything anything that has, you know, as a zero zero base power toughness with counters on it, like you know, what is the Cytospawn Shambler. Like yeah, yeah, Cytos- yeah, this sure. thing just casually turns Cytospawn Shambler into an eleven eleven. Right. And like that <laughs> seems really fun, but I've never seen a deck with it or want to. Yeah, like, I, I
0: particularly remember this the the Chrome host or the not oh. Hermit during our set yeah. review and you're like, I want to do incubate stuff with this dude.
1: Oh, yeah, incubate like, stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that this was the incubate set uh-huh. yeah, yeah yep yeah i maybe i'll maybe I'll put that together there be be the change you wanna see in the world right there you go, that's right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so i think I think that there's a lot of uh underutilized juice amongst the uh the two color uncommons of mom mm-hmm. in in specifically where the flip kids are concerned. Yeah,
0: I agree. Uh, where you at on the mom commanders, Liam? Whether it's the two two color uncommon cycle or the flippy flippy ones,
2: I I feel like the transform ones are all aggressively overcosted for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. The battles are, are not legal mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> unless you rule zero. So that that just kind of leaves us with with the partial cycle of two color creatures uh i think there's six or seven of them the remainder of the the signpost uncommon cycle was filled out with uh spells instants and sorceries i think these are fine a lot of them care about like transforming permanence Mm -hmm. or or backup and while we've had many sets with transforming permanence backups kind of new and that's a little parasitic same with azorius knights that that was kind of parasitic because we've I mean we've had knights before and primarily in white but but blue is newer to that identity they seem fine uh (laughs) I I did build a stormclaw rager deck not not really a fan of it to be honest it's it's okay right I think that overall this set was it, it had some good ones it had some mid ones and it had others that like I've never seen on the battlefield ever yeah
0: yeah I think there's some that you know aren't great obviously but there are some like dave was saying that are criminally underexplored i think there's some good stuff here it just needs to be uh sort of dug out and polished a little bit but i don't think i actually have any mom commanders build i I have the spell spear and i think that's about it honestly i've played against a handful of them
1: thought about the other ones but i have two battles and a um a gremlin, built the the mono red gremlin that incubates equal to its power when it dies. Oh, the furnace furnace gremlin. I love that guy
0: so much. Yeah. Yep. And this is another one of the sets too that I found myself look. If I remember correctly, I, I found myself looking at the just regular monocolored uncommon creatures more so than the uh, showcase ones or the signpost yep. ones or whatever. So.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, don't get me wrong. The uh, the is it prowess prowess goes pretty hard it but...
0: goes super hard yeah yeah but
2: six <laughs> mana to get and it's like one of the cheapest to transform rough. too
0: like
2: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> or uh, you know it's at the cheapest um price to transform it so it's just crazy it's so good it's two mana to start flips over super easy yeah real good all right uh all right. liam
2: we got we got
1: three sets left
0: we got three I'm... sets left where are we going after mom liam
2: we are going to lord of the rings okay i i am not entirely sure what the official count was on this set but i think they've got like two full cycles and a partial cycle i'm i'm not entirely sure i'm seeing at least 13 <laughs> two color 14 15 okay so i see 15 so that that brings us to like a cycle and a half sure probably i don't know there's there's 15 two color Uncommon creatures from Lord of the Rings—they all happen to be legendary because Lord of the Rings had like five thousand legends right. in it. Yep, you know, five thousand legends and like ten copies of every c- creature—it's—it's it's fine, honestly. Despite the f- like, like Lord of the Rings theme, I, I I could care less. Like, you know, I I enjoyed the movies, I enjoyed the books. I'm not a big Lord of the Rings nerd. I I you know whatever. So thematically. Didn't really care. Mechanically this set was very interesting. Yeah, Amass got an overhaul. There was like a little army, uh, not army, uh, a little goblin orc sub-theme thanks to Amass's overhaul. Yep. Uh, soldiers got a little bit of, uh, of a boost. Humans got a boost. This set's just kind of all over the place mechanically, but despite that it feels very cohesive with the Ring Temptations and the food and the scrys, uh and the humans. It all of the commanders are just solid options like yeah they really are there isn't there isn't one here that i would talk somebody out of building
0: oh well, that's a good way to put it yeah i hadn't right. thought about like, it like that like
2: you know and that feels kind of wrong cuz like if someone's like you know this is the commander i want to build like you don't you don't want to talk them out like that clearly there's a reason they want to build that right however if they're looking for constructive criticism including the commander mm-hmm. you know going back to uh, all will be one like if they're building the cephalopod like hey how do you think i could make this deck better to, can i make a commander recommendation right exactly <laughs> <Change> the commander <laughs> but for all of these you know there's not a single one here that I, that's necessarily where i would go and i think that's worth something yeah I, I i think all of these are worth the exploration
0: yeah i i do too the the uh, the backdrop of Lord of the Rings, the flavor of Lord of the Rings, all that sort of stuff was not lost on me. I'm not the biggest Lord of the Rings fan in the world, but I know of it. I've watched all the movies. I think I read the books at least, at least two of the books back in the day, um, and I really love it. It's high fantasy. It is like the high fantasy of high fantasy, so that did help my uh, enjoyment of the set as a whole. But honestly, like you said, there there's so many different mechanics going on, different synergies, different things happening. That like I, I if these if these text boxes on these creatures were printed in a standard set, not Lord of the Rings, I would still love them. Because they're really cool. They're really interesting. Well, you guys saw it the other night. I have a Mouth of Sauron deck built. I have a Shadowfax deck built. Um, I'm interested in building an Old Man Willow deck. I'm interested in building an Oak Look of the White Hand deck. Like, that's four commanders from this cycle. I don't think there's another cycle that we're going to talk about where I can say I truly want to build four decks out of these commanders. So, I think they're all super interesting. They're all um, uniquely powerful. I don't think that any of them are really like shaking the foundation or anything like that, but they're all super neat. And I don't know. I think they're a lot of fun. There's some good recommendations in here. And,. Um, I'd like to see how it sort of like affects the format going forward. What do you think, Dave? We know that um, you waxed poetically, lovingly, about Lord of the Rings during that set review, but how has it treated you since then, as far as the commanders go?
1: I think it's great. I, I ended up not building any of the two-color kids from Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings. Um, That's fair. But I I do like them all. I see them get played a lot, and I appreciate that they're there. And I like I like that the the people who've designed those decks, I think, did a great job. Uh, and I like that the um they they just seem really fun to play.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're yeah, a good time. Lord of the Rings is high on the Juice Meter. Yeah, Lord of the
0: Rings is definitely high up there. So uh but yeah, if you don't have anything else to add, we can move on to the second to last set of uh, I guess of twenty twenty three, and that was Wilds of Eldrain. Mm, as far as the format goes, I don't know that these uncommons these signpost uncommons are doing a ton of work in the format they're super cool they're super interesting uh very flavorful i actually i i could talk all day about my Greta deck i absolutely love that deck but as far as like if someone's kind of like kind of like sort of what like liam said like if someone's new to the format new to pauper commander i'm not going to direct them to Wild of eldraine I'll pick a different set that we've already talked about and show them some commander options there. But the commander options in Wilds of Eldraine are interesting enough that I'm not necessarily going to try to talk you out of playing them. I just won't start there if you don't know what to play, if that makes sense. What do you think, Liam?
2: Yeah, uh, no, I agree. Uh, when when you're looking at Wilds of Eldraine, you have a a complete cycle of, I think, half ally, half enemy... Adventure commanders, mm, yeah, yeah. and then you have the the cycle of 10 uh two color commanders. And I mean, th- there was some in here that if they're like, Hey, I was looking to build a- an Orzhov deck that's you know not a typical run of the mill, like I might point them towards Never, yeah. But true. if they're just like, Hey, what's a good set to pick a commander from? I don't know that I'd point <laughs> to Wild's Veltrain because hmm. you have things like Ash. Yeah, it would and,
0: have to be a specific request. Like, oh, I want to build a food deck. Okay, uh, we got Greta. You know, it's
2: awesome. You, you got Greta and you got Lord of the Rings,
0: you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> uh,
2: you know, if it, it, depending how specific or, or narrow the request was, would depend if I, I pointed them in this direction. hmm Yep. I I think generally the set's okay. I, I don't know that I would point anyone towards an Adventure Commando if they're trying to figure out the format for the first time. Because mm, that's EDH a fair point. just got Adventure Commandos. And people are misplaying them all the time. Uh, so, <laughs> even though PDH has had them for a while, I don't know that I'd point people in their general direction. I'd point them to the traditional legendary creatures as they used to. Yeah, which Wilds has some interesting options. Uh, and some of these options, like o- Obira, the Dreaming Duelist, show up in Commanders. So, yeah, you know that might be just a Commander I point them to is like, hey, you know, let's let's PDHify this EDH deck. Sure. So I don't know the sets. The sets kind of in the middle for me a couple of commanders i have theorized a couple of commanders that i've seen nothing i have built
0: yet yeah that's fair i i've built greta obviously i'm pretty interested in Immodane's recruiter one of the adventure commanders and i think that's probably about it for me uh where you at dave where you at with Woe? how has it been treating you
1: i love the otter I cannot get enough <laughs> of Frolicking Familiar. I think that it's uh-huh. a remarkable card. It's it's it is as entertaining as it is cute. That is um, correct. I don't I don't feel particularly drawn to any of the other commanders here. Like if if mm-hmm. if someone was building these decks, I would be intrigued by it, but it's not something I'm like really enthusiastic about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I think that's a good way to sum up Wilds of Eldraine. All right, lastly, just came out uh, about a month or so ago, six weeks actually, I don't even know anymore. Uh, Lost Caverns of Ixalan. I literally have not had a chance to sit down and brew any of these. Uh, I have Bartolome on my list. Um, El Barto. El Barto on my list. And that's really about it, honestly. The, you know, we got... um. Kutzil, obviously, fantastic commander. Zil's powerhouse. We got Akawali, another powerhouse, uh, powerhouse commander. But these have sort of like that Arcbound Shikari problem. Like, there's so many lists floating around that when I want to play it, I can borrow a deck and paper or I can stream it on Moxfield. Like, yeah. I don't, I, I'm don't. good with not I, building either of those decks, even though they're both super powerful.
1: I love seeing how many people are building Zeroyah. The, the little <laughs> the, the pizza goblin, roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the totino's yeah. pizza roll. Mm-hmm. Like when I first looked at that card, I was like, "All right, that seems weird, but fine, I guess." And like watching people play with it, like over these last couple months, has just been a delight. It just, it just does things, and it it's does. just, it looks like it's just like perpetually like really irritating and it just stays like <laughs> and it, it doesn't stays ever stop being irritating right you know? <laughs> on like the correct side of the threshold of like not irritating enough to do something about like i don't think anyone's going to spend their bolt on zaoya because like yeah. zoya is just going to come back <laughs> yep. but like it's it's like right at the threshold of like too irritating to do something about, but it stays on the correct side of that threshold. So it just gets to like annoy everyone for an eternity for an
0: eternity. Cause you're like, yeah, I love I'm, that I'm looking at this
1: it. go for the throat in
0: my hand, but they're yeah. just going to recast zoyoya Like, yeah, not even going to bother wasting it.
1: <laughs> right. Like just sure take sure, more
0: damage. Surely,
1: <laughs> surely something else will become more threatening later than I'll need this go for the throat for. Sure. Yep. I also love from the set. I love Kaporoti. Uh, I do too. Boros I have not messed with things.
0: building a deck yet for it. I haven't theorized anything, but it seems awesome.
1: Derek has a deck that is delightful. Ooh. Okay. It uses it like because I didn't realize how many of these cards we have that you know when they become tapped you get to do something. Yeah, scry or what have you. Yeah. Yeah, scry or they get counters or like what all this like all of those are in Derek's deck. Sure. And then like you know. There's also all of the cool ways to tap things. So like, what well, what's the what's the Dominaria mechanic that like tried to be banding but fixed? Enlist.
0: Oh, yes. enlist. Like yeah,
1: Derek's deck runs all the enlist cards. And so like, there's all these cards that are like when they when they get tapped to do something, and like the enlist cards. These are all cards that I've looked at and been like, man, that looks really cool. I wish I had a home for it. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's like too narrow. Like Kaporoti is the home for those, and I love. Oh, that. nice, nice. Yeah,
0: that's awesome.
1: Yeah, and but then, then f- obviously, oh, good. Some of the commanders are not good. Nikonzu. A...
0: Yeah, some of them are great.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, but... it's it's Quinth. Yeah, it's Quinth. <laughs> ATB pay to. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um... I don't know what to talk about that. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm actually, an ETB ability on a Gruul creature?
0: Say that this. is pretty cool. I do like that aspect of it. But uh, I'm actually pretty interested in building the Captain Storm deck. I don't know why. It seems super linear, but there's just something about it I feel like building. Maybe I, I, maybe I don't play enough Is It Combat Matters decks. And that, that intrigues me.
2: I have theorized the Captain Storm deck. Mm-hmm. And... I actually want to say it's the opposite. It's not too linear. The deck is wide open. Really? Like, Interesting. you could you could focus on just, you know, pirate typo with like an artifact sub theme. Mm-hmm. You could do artifact with a pirate sub theme. You could do treasures and not even care about the pirates. Just do treasure, big spells, make Captain Storm big, turn sideways. Kind of like a, a weird Najal deck. There's a lot you can do with this. Okay. And I'm listening, yeah. The the list that I've got going right now is like 160 cuts. So <laughs> I'll let you know <laughs> when I get cuts. closer to the, when I get closer to that hundred number. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: nice. Well, I'll definitely keep my eye out for that. Uh, the juice loved LCI. It's up there eight or nine ish. So
1: I I can't I can't get over Z- Zaboya and Kutzel and Caparoti and Akawali. And they are so Bart. good. Like, they are yeah, so good. The, like, the five of them seem remarkable.
0: Yeah, and the set's only been out a, a very short amount of time, and it's already making an impact on the format, so... Yeah, yeah. so that That is a sign of good things to come, so... Sure, for sure. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to add to this before we get out of here? I know uh, it, it started as a listener question, and it turned into a two-hour show, so... I... You, my,
1: my voice is... Uh, you're done, sir. It is betraying me. <laughs> I, they, I would like to add nothing. I would, like, okay. I would like to move towards an outro.
0: Yep, you have like one more word left in this whole show. Uh, Cool. We're going to get to the outro here, but before we wrap it up for the week, if you need any more Pauper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, you can always find us on Instagram or at Twitter at thepdhpod at gmail.com. Or, wow, I read that way wrong. Instagram or Twitter at the pod. You can email the show. There we go. At the PDH at gmail.com or head on over to the PDH, PDH home base's website. That'll take you to their Discord server. You can find all of us and pretty much everybody else over there too, talking about some Pauper Commander. Uh, you can find Liam and I on X slash Twitter at Pauper Command and Pauper underscore B, respectively. And as always, you can find Dave literally everywhere else PDH is being talked about as the Alcadron. All the links will be in the, uh, episode description below so be sure to follow those and then we got a couple of uh
2: updates or announcements here Liam yeah uh so upcoming we have a couple of PDH tournaments the first one I want to talk about is common cause 2 uh this is the CPDH tournament run by uh one more game uh it's got some cash prizes they are running the typical rules of Uncommon Commander, Commons the 99, 30 life, 16 commander damage, and the two band cards are rustic and Mystic. Uh, and the proceeds for this tournament are actually going to be donated to Project Hope. Yep. And then the other tournament that's coming up is the 4th Sanctuary Open on March 16th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Cash prizes, one info TBA. Join their Discord. Uh, You can follow them on Twitter at SanctuaryPDH or go to SanctuaryPDH.com.
0: Perfect. Excellent. Look forward to both of those events. They're coming up pretty quickly, actually. So keep an eye out for those. Uh, All right. Episode 83 of the PDH pod is going to come to a close, but we got to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show, as always. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, Go find some two color commanders and uh, brew a deck, play some PDH, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace.
1: Cheers. See ya. I brought pop protected the party.
0: I brought pop protects at the party.